0: CFL fans, are you ready because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. The Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello one and all, we interrupt your Disney Plus binge-watching to bring you the latest episode of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I am Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. Put the Disney shows away for an hour, you can go back to them right after we're done here, but right now we're here to talk some CFL football and what a weekend it was as the playoffs kicked off for 2019.
1: Well, I mean, what a day, I mean... I saw grown people my age literally trip over themselves watching Disney this morning, and they didn't even go to work. So what a concept. It's the wonderful world of Disney. How about the wonderful world of playoff football and the wonderful world of a Blue Bomber upset?
0: Yes. Yeah, what a weekend it was. We'll, we'll talk about the two games from this past weekend, and of course we have two more games coming up this week, this coming weekend as well. Uh, We'll tee up the division finals all within the next hour here. Um, Before we get into all of that, uh, this Monday was Remembrance Day. So in honor of that, I feel like we should, uh, you know, we honor those who uh, fought for the freedom of our country. And the CFL, I know, does a lot to promote. You see Veterans Days uh, honoring the military around each stadium around the CFL throughout the season. So it's a it's made a big impact and so we we thank all of those who have fought for us and uh continue to do so for our freedom.
1: I couldn't have said it any better myself. And we are privileged to live in Canada, privileged to live in a free speaking country, and that's not to be taken for granted. Yes.
0: Uh, before we get into, uh, talking about the actual games, a couple of things I want to rattle off here with, uh, stuff from around the Canadian football podcast network. Uh, first of all, shout out to our friends over at the Piffles podcast in Regina, who just announced today that with their, uh, with, with the help of Cody Fajardo, they did, they designed some shirts together, ended up selling them and raised, uh, $6,000 for, uh, a hospital, uh, for hospitals in, saskatchewan so well done congratulations to our friends at the piffles podcast doing great work and between that and their charity uh flag football games they've been doing every year they've uh they've done a lot of great work for charity raised a lot of great money so uh happy to be a part of a network with those guys
1: yeah i mean you know people forget right these are people using their platform in ways that help others and Cody Vajardo, I think more so this year than in past years has been able to expand that platform by becoming the guy in Saskatchewan. And, you know, that's one thing that you have, this is no knocking at the other, you know, CFL city, because everybody does all, all that great, you know, charity work in every other city, but the amount of, of, uh, charitable work that I hear coming out of Virginia with the Rough Riders and that really provincial feeling and never mind just the charitable work, but the endorsements in general um sure does a lot to help the community and the football club as a whole and no it's not really a surprise but they are the most um one of the most well known franchises across uh, not only the CFL, I would mention just football in general, right? I mean everybody thinks about oh Saskatchewan, right, with the Heritage Classic and Oh, they have a deep rooted deep roots in the community for football. Not and, to
0: mention you watch any live event of any kind, including non sports related anywhere in the world and you'll see somebody in a Saskatchewan Rough Riders jersey in the crowd.
1: Where was that woman i <laughs> watching the other day? Uh was it a game in I couldn't remember it was San Jose or Arizona.
0: Yeah, I have seen some in Arizona
1: and, Wasn't and there they, like
0: a Wimbledon match somewhere like someone's like
1: Yeah. It's there's green everywhere and yeah, if you're, I if like you're a it. Proud
0: Riders fan, you're a Proud Riders fan. You're gonna wear that jersey anywhere, so props it, to them.
1: It's just to me very interesting where uh the riders have come from because before Hobson came in uh, that franchise I didn't remember growing up. You know, they they couldn't fill that stadium for for whatever it's worth, and then all of a sudden they started doing some community initiative and uh, started making money. They had the uh uh touchdown lottery that the riders do, you know, generate money for the program, and let's not kid ourselves too. That new stadium goes a long way toward toward uh, marketing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, So. Again, just to tie this back to what you originally said, it's players realizing they have a platform and utilizing it with I don't wanna see what we do and what you know the pimples podcast and all these other network podcasts do is mainstream because it's not it's most of these are fan podcasts, and to see players be willing to partner with non mainstream. Media, I think, also shows a lot about the players, and it also shows a lot about the team being open to non-traditional forms of media. Absolutely.
0: Um, other things going on around the network. Grey Cup is not this weekend, but the weekend after. Next week is Grey Cup week. The Can festivities... I bring the clean-up
1: spots and shed tears? Why? that's a sad day as much as it's a happy day. Just because season's over? Yeah.
0: But then all the fun off-season podcasts happen.
1: Oh, uh, I, I don't even want to get into that I, I still think we've got three riveting football games to come.
0: Very well said. Uh, lots going on for Grey Cup week. Uh, Canadian Football Podcast Network has some fun things planned for the week. Uh, many of the hosts around the network will be in Calgary for the Grey Cup. We wish we could be there as well, but unfortunately... Uh, we won't be, as far as I'm aware, at least I'm not, I don't know about Mike.
1: Uh, uh, there's some talk there early in the week, so we'll have to see where it goes. Yeah, um,
0: but lots of fun stuff going on, on, on around the network, can't speak to all of it quite yet, um, but, uh, you do, we do have the two and Out live podcast on Thursday of Grey Cup week, uh, Travis and Ty will be doing a live show like they did last year, uh so looking forward to that and uh I believe I can say this cuz it's out there on Twitter already uh 2019 edition of the uh CF Pod network trading cards uh will be out and about during Grey Cup week as well uh new set of trading cards this year uh from around the network and uh on that note uh we still have Mike and I still have a bunch of leftover cards from last year that we uh did not get rid of yet because to be honest I fell... Fell behind the eight ball on that one with uh, trying to do giveaways throughout the season. So we have two full sets of 2018 trading cards to give away still at this point. uh, Working on potentially getting a third full set. And uh, so stay tuned on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM this week uh, for a contest for that. Uh, I'll be that out in the next couple of days and we'll be giving away a full set to uh, two lucky people out there.
1: One thing I'd like to do, Ryan, and I know we haven't discussed this so but I think um I, I think it's something we need to get into and I haven't talked to you about this yet, but This
0: scares I, me. I, I, I,
1: I think you'll be okay with where I'm about to go with this. If not you can stop me halfway through my train of thought. Okay. Um but I think we should let our podcast listeners when we make our pits Make their own pitch in the form of polls. Uh, Open the poll, say tomorrow, and then close it right before kickoff. Yeah, I can do that. And uh, just let interested to see where our listeners think who's going to win these two football games this weekend. I can surely set that up for you. And then I'm going to try, although I'm working right after the Western Final, but I'm going to see if I can sneak on and do a little bit of live tweeting. Sounds good. Uh, during the Western Final. Sounds good, Mike. So so follow Mike on Twitter as
0: well, at Mike MikeGarroll, me on Twitter, at CooperTrooper42 for all of our fun football f- fanatic fun. I said fun twice, but that's fine because it's fun.
1: Because it's fun.
0: Yes. Anyways, let's talk about this past weekend's games because... Man, I really wish we could have done this podcast on Sunday. I think I texted you on Monday yeah. even that I was sad that we yeah. had to wait till Wednesday because that's a was...
1: correction. You tested me on Sunday afternoon after that bomber game. And you're like, I wish we could and I'm paraphrasing. Just do a show right now. It may have been Monday morning. But you've been wired to go. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to unlock the cage. And you can run wild about what you've been thinking for the last couple of days. Well, which
0: game should we start with? Should we start with the one that went first? Should we start with Edmonton Hamil- uh, Edmonton Montreal? Sorry.
1: Yeah, because I, I think, to be honest with you, going in, and glad to be proven wrong because that was a great football game. To be honest with you, I thought we'd have more to talk about the second game and the first game. But the first game was so good. And I thought, oh, you know what, I'll just turn it on and have a look and see what the score is and and that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, oh, 10 in a row, 12 in a row, 14 in a row. And I'm like, I can't turn this off. So I go downstairs, eat lunch, and then come back up in the same commercial sequence, my poor family, and see that he's 20 of 20. And I think the perfect place to start is Trevor Harris, because I don't know if you and I undersold Edmonton. Was it on the air personally? I think it may have been in a touch to me on Sunday before the game, where you were having certain thoughts about Edmonton potentially winning the game. And... You know, we had that, maybe it's time to put Trevor Harris in that upper echelon of quarterbacks just based on playoff performance.
0: Yeah, let me start with, uh, I I told you so, because I did mention this on the podcast last week, that don't count Trevor Harris out in a playoff game. If you do that, he'll throw 500 yards and six touchdowns against Mm -hmm. you. It wasn't quite that. In fact, he only had one touchdown pass on the day. But yeah. But
1: that's all he needed because finally we saw a game from Edmonton that I didn't think they had in them. And it was poor Montreal because all of a sudden it was like their magic ran out. And the Cardiac kids with all those combats just, I don't know, just came short.
0: I mean, there's a lot of things you can point to that it all adds up just by looking at the stats of why Edmonton won this game. I mean, Trevor Harris, 36 of 39, 420-something that's yards. Dis- that's disgusting. He did have a pick kind of ruined the day. Oh, only, <laughs> only a pick.
1: Only a pick. So two incompletions, that didn't go for interception.
0: But, Mike, what are, the key, what are the things we talked about last week, you specifically mentioned, what are the things – that Edmonton needed to do to win this game, or the things that we thought were standing in their way of winning this game?
1: Well, I can't quite remember what I said, but probably something to the effect of staying on the field. Uh, no stupid penalties. Uh,
0: time of possession, 36 minutes and 13 seconds, Edmonton, to 23.47 for Montreal. Penalties that, that, on... That's the... the difference of how much? Uh, 13 minutes almost? Almost um... a quarter. Uh, Montreal had the ball for, what, nine minutes in the first half, I believe it was? Um, And then the other big one, and this is something we haven't seen from Edmonton all year, penalties. If you had to take a guess off the top of your head, what would you say number of penalties and yardage? Five for
1: 70. Three penalties for 30 yards. Okay. Yeah, it just goes to show when you're disciplined. And to be honest with you, they had a good first half. Uh, I thought Montreal was gonna climb back in it late in the game. They started to, and to be honest, and sorry to disrespect Edmonton fans, I was waiting for that stupid, stupid penalty to come. That somebody's gonna say something, do something. Like I'm waiting for it to happen. And I don't know if you caught this on the TV broadcast, but when Edmonton jumped out to that big lead in the fourth quarter. What was it thirteen points, fourteen points? I, I can't really remember. He Trevor Harris is on the sideline, going up and down the sideline and saying dies, I'm paraphrasing, stay composed, don't you know, light up and that reminder kinda snapped them back into it because I'm waiting you know, we have this this thing we talked about with Jason Moss's team, and we just wait for the penalties. Like, we wait for it, right? It's pretty accurate. And it just didn't happen. And I'm thinking, okay, so somebody, went, when Vernon Adams is going to tie the game, or before he gets picked off, I'm going, somebody going to hit him late, and it's going to be a 15-year penalty, and it's just, it's just not coming. And... I don't want to say it's a blind squirrel finds a not once in a while and plays the perfect game, because that's not what it was. There's
0: the traditional Michael Garrell metaphor.
1: But this is different from what we've seen. And, and I don't know if it was just everything going absolutely right, that if one little thing had gone wrong, maybe we're looking at a different game, but... That being said, and I I think you can agree with me on this one. Trevor Harris was playing so good that he forced Vernon Adams out of his comfort zone as far as having to trade punches up and down the field. And he did it for three and a half quarters, almost four full quarters. And then that last drive, I think he kind of forced it more than he had to. And, I, f- I mean, you can say this about the other other game, too, right? The team that turned the ball over to least, won both games this weekend.
0: Yeah, and Ed- Edmonton basically had somebody step up, multiple guys step up on all three sides of the ball. Like, we talked about the offense, Trevor Harris, who did he find, his big-name receivers, Ellingson, Ricky Collins, etc. Even C.J.
1: J. will have one of his better games, and... I remember I, for one, was guilty of crucifying Jason Moss for sitting all those guys in the last week of the season. Uh,
0: Defensive side of the ball, Josh Johnson, three interceptions, he got the hat trick. Uh, I think he did that earlier in the season, one game he had two or three picks as well. He's been a guy that in big moments has stepped up and, and, and made these big plays that they needed. And that that is crucial for the Eskimos. And even on special teams, like Sean White was money, as they call him, well, 5 t- of 5. Well, I'll tell you
1: what, though, he had to be. Because he kept expanding that lead from one possession to two possession, from one possession to two possession, And i making some very important kits. And even a
0: spot that over the last five years or so, I would say, has been arguably potentially the Eskimos' weakest position on the football field, the kick return position. Jamil Smith did a great job with 100 over 150 return yards.
1: So here's a question for you, and this may be hypothetical because I know you had White on your on yours and my fantasy team. Which kicker do you start your team with, Sean White or Justin Medlock? I think there's a, uh, oh.
0: I mean, Justin Medlock was pretty money. Both of them are money. That's literally the nickname both of them money. Yeah, have. but
1: if you, if you need a kicker. Can you go around with either? Well, well, I don't like, know. Are it's, those the two top kickers in the lead? I don't know. It's a weird situation
0: because Medlock, I believe, at least I checked one point with a couple of weeks left in the season, had the lowest kicking percentage out of any kicker in the CFL. But yet, if it's beyond 50 yards, granted, if it's not 61 yards, I'm so, taking Justin Medlock
1: to kick did, a field goal. I was kicking a breath on the weekend in Calgary.
0: Yeah, that was impressive. I think if you're saying it's absolutely one of those two, though, I think you're selling guys like Brett Water.
1: You're selling guys no, like Lewis I Ward I am just saying, are we topping the upper echelon with those two?
0: I I don't know. I think they're right in the mix, and I don't know if I'd consider either of them my number one kicker in the CFL. We also have to talk about Rene Paradis, who has statistically the best kicking average in CFL history. I mean. And the uh, in
1: Ottawa, his name is J.P. Lewis, Lewis Ward.
0: Yeah. Even uh, Sergio Castillo had a heck of a season for BC. So, there's a lot of great kickers in the CFL. I can't go and say Sean White and Justin Medlock are that far above any of the others. But they certainly came through for their teams this
1: weekend. So here's the next question for you real quick. I know we're getting off topic, but who's the next Brett Maher? Hmm. I don't know. Because Maher plays for the Dallas Cowboys. A heck of a season for Brett Maher, too, I believe, yeah, right? I've watched a lot of the Cowboy games. He's been... He's been really good. Would you say Ward? Maybe. Potentially, yeah. I, I think the ship has sunk on Metal NFL career. It's passed them by. I don't even okay. think he'll be back to Winnipeg next year, especially if they win the great top. But it just goes to show. Getting back to what you said Special teams, excellent for Edmonton, and excellent all around. And it was actually
0: excellent as well for Montreal. The kick yeah, return the, by Mario Alford, like, yeah. that really kept them in this game in the first half because they were being dominated on offense, defense, yeah. and then Alford, which, I mean, he's been in the lineup for Montreal, I want to say like six weeks, seven weeks, something like
1: that. Yeah, he like missed that. the last week
0: to do out, But he has
1: three or four return touchdowns yeah, on his, the year. He's his breakout game was that big comeback against Winnipeg. 'Cause he ran back that hit to kinda ignite the combat. But the the other the other scenario is just to look at this. I am very disappointed in Montreal's defense. I did not see that coming from
0: them. But I think we should have. here. here's where I'm gonna go with this. Because All season long, we've been talking about how much we love the Montreal Alouettes. And I am guilty of this. I loved watching the Alouettes play this season. I loved everything about their story. Mm -hmm. I think we were mystified by that. By all of a sudden, this team that's been so bad for so many years, all of a sudden, starting to win these games. And having these thrilling ends to games where they make this late game comeback. They make this overtime win. But here's the thing, if your team is constantly relying on these last-second victories, is your team as good as maybe we've been mystified to believe all season long? Like, we've talked about how the quarterback position with Vernon Adams, I mean, he's an MOP, well, not MOP nominee, but he was the team's MOP. We've talked about how much better offensively they've been. Bob Slowick's defense has had some brilliant moments, I think, of that game against Calgary uh, five or so weeks ago. Like, sure, Montreal has had their brilliant moments and their very exciting moments, but did we buy too much into those instead of looking at the overall trend of a team that, on the season, was 10-8, and needed these last-second comebacks to win a lot of games, started slow, and really, statistically, their defense, it makes perfect sense why Trevor Harris tore them apart because they gave up tons of yards through the air and on the ground all season.
1: Here, here's the other thing with Montreal. I don't want to say it was the magic carpet ride and the, and this and the clock struck midnight, but that was almost what it was like. And to me, Montreal was successful when they had Standback running for first downs and Jeremiah Johnson for you know a sufficient gain on first down, making second and manageable and Vernon Adams finds Quan Bray, uh, Winneke, Chris Matthews when he was healthy. To me, the the, tale, the the scales of this game were tipped when Trevor Harris caught fire and the defense couldn't get a 2-and-out. And, and that's you know. Defense was on the field for six minutes, a 14-play drive, over six minutes in the back of the end zone. Montreal was forced into a position where Vernon Adams had to stay on the field. But a lot of what Montreal did, if you looked at it, in the game were quick strikes. So that's why they were in the game, but the time of possession was so lopsided. And I don't know, maybe we're making too much of it, and maybe that was just one of those games where... The team that makes the first mistake they didn't lose and that's what happened. When Adams threw those interceptions. But maybe we did sell them short and maybe we were asking too much of them.
0: Now the the, the beautiful thing for the Alwets here is I don't think anybody like from a lot of what I've seen, I don't whereas Calgary's gotten a lot of flack for and there's been a lot of insane comments about Calgary after they they lost this week. I haven't seen anything, especially from Alouettes fans, saying, "Oh, this team sucks. Fire Kahari Jones, trade Vernon Adams." Nope, no, no, it's because of where they came from to where they were this year. Like this season, despite the first round loss, was absolutely still a successful season for the Montreal Alouettes. Now the trick is going to be, and we're going to explore this more in the off season can they keep this team together because you look at John Bowman this was likely his last season and it pains me that John Bowman didn't get to the cup this year uh in his final season but he,
1: he made a big play to try to turn that game around and it's just, i just feel so bad i feel very bad for Montreal
0: you you've got
1: you've got John Bowman you've got Kahari Jones who knows
0: what his contract status for next year will be you've got uh I'm not sure is Vernon, if Vernon Adams is under contract for next year at this point. I think uh, so, yeah. I believe so, but I'm not 100% sure. And There's a lot of huge playmakers on that team that, yeah, you finally have this consistency. Now you got to keep it going into next year, and that's something we'll explore as we get into the off season a little bit. But, but
1: I think for Montreal, to this ownership stuff figured out, then I think you might be able to lure free agents. Absolutely. For the I first time in th- a long time. The future is bright. In Montreal, it, it depends who you did for a coach, right? And to me, that's job number one. And I would not be surprised if bet was done and announced in the next couple of days. Yeah,
0: they 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 got to get that all sorted out first of all.
1: And I don't know. It's when driving over here, I had I had a thought to um, whether the days of having one sole GM. Are coming to an end. Hamilton was by committee. Montreal was by committee. Saskatchewan was by committee, even though Jeremy All Day would die. Maybe the days of a sole general manager are few and far between now.
0: I'm going to take this opportunity to make an excellent segue. Are you ready? Uh oh. The days, uh, maybe the days of a single general manager are gone. Maybe the single days of a single running back are gone because we love the dual back system. Maybe the days of the single quarterback system Mm -hmm. are gone because the Bombers, 35, Stampeders, 14 in the West Division semifinal.
1: Can I first give a woohoo? Sure. Woohoo. Nice. Nicely done. Because that is... Um, I know I picked Calgary to win. You were set on Winnipeg, but I did not see this coming. And you and I were conversing during the game. You saw my reaction in the, in the first half. I was ready to rate the team off cause they weren't doing anything. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa. Whoa, they're actually using Strattler. Whoa, they're keeping him in the game. Whoa, Calgary seems so confused. And, whoa, Bully by Mitchell Stone for 115 yards, one yard in the third quarter. Like, when's it going to go wrong? And it never did. It was like, I'm waiting, right? And, to me, I don't want to single out one turning point, but I have to in this instant. And that was when it was seven up in Calgary. I don't know who got it, if it was Winston Rose, or Nick Taylor, or somebody. I think Taylor was the. But anyway, you know where I'm going with this. Calgary's going in the score, and they have the dual possession interception. When oh Jones, it was Mike Jones, I think. Right.
0: Oh yes, yes.
1: And. Jones has the ball, and the Calgary receiver is wrestling him for it in the back of the end zone. Because, to me, if Calgary goes in and scores... Well, it wasn't
0: in the end zone. It was at about the 20-yard line, that one. It was the play before that was in the end zone.
1: Yeah, but nonetheless, they're going in in position position to score, and if it's 14-0 there, as far as I'm concerned, you turn the lights out.
0: Like, I... Can you do me a favor and turn off my microphone, and then I'll just edit in, like, the 10-minute segment from last week's podcast? Because, I mean, might as well say everything I said last week. This game is going to come down to Paul Appelise and how he calls this football game, and if he correctly uses the brilliant opportunity in front of him of the dual quarterback system, like— that's exactly what he needed to do. That's exactly what he did. Zach Galeros, I don't think by any means was brilliant in he, this win for the Bombers, except he, for that 70 yard. touchdown. Right, and pass. he took the
1: page out of Matt Nichols' book. He was the game manager, did not throw an interception, did not do anything to lose the game for the Bombers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was the prototypical Matt Nichols performance by Zach Galeros. Like, he could have taken the helmet off, and that was Matt Nichols, and I would have been not too surprised. Right. Well, maybe given that you know he did have season-ending surgery, and now he was all of a sudden out there. But, <sighs> I mean, Kamar Jordan had season-ending surgery back in training camp, and he was out there this week. So, But it, back did, to my thoughts on the mm-hmm. on, on, on this Bombers system here is when Coelho started to struggle, they put Chris Traveler in. That opened things up so much in the second half with the way they were running the ball. Like, Andrew Harris didn't have a particularly great game. No. Calgary has a pretty solid run defense, but you throw in Chris Strebler. Nick Dembski was fired up beyond belief in this game, mm-hmm. uh, including his touchdown run was a thing of beauty. Uh, yeah, that a... was the
1: one who put the Bombers up by one. Like,
0: it's just it's weird looking at the post-game press conference mm-hmm. where you bang, bring out the key players in a game. Mm-hmm. And you have two quarterbacks sitting side-by-side. Side. Because that's what happens. Zach Caleros was out there. Chris Streveler was out there. And rightfully so. Here's Streb- the thing. Streveler did not throw a pass. Well, according to the score app in front of me, he threw one for 22 yards. But that may have been a like a
1: forward lateral type that thing. It was a forward lateral because I don't remember him stepping out a shot than to throw it. Yeah. Certainly not 22 yards. <laughs> He was he was in there for 23 plays. He ran had, 18 of them. Or he ran for like... 13 car- Thirteen of them and had it off to Dembski and Harris. But here's the thing. If you're Calgary, did it stun them that Strebler was in the game? I think
0: it stunned them that Strebler was even walking after what they did to him three weeks ago.
1: Because to me it was like... Calgary was not prepared for what everybody in the park knew Winnipeg was going to do. And it just speaks to me how good you are when the other team knows what's coming and they can't stop you. I mean, what are you supposed to do when a team has four running backs on the field at, at the same time? I said, oh, you want to hand it off to Dempsey? Oh, you want to hand it off to Harris? Oh, you want to have run it up the middle?
0: Like, heck, let's let's call in the Mighty Ducks and get the Flying V going down the field at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, like, like we're going to talk about the matchup with the Riders later on here. If the Bombers can execute the same game plan, I don't see any reason why why they can't go to the Grey Cup. Because what are you going to do when there's four running backs on the field? Which one are you going to cover on any given play?
1: Yeah, and then you have a quarterback that can slend it over the middle for... 20 yards when you decide to rush whoever it's it's amazing because maybe we all just need to for lack of a better term shut up and let things play out I get rem- told that on a regular remember basis. Remember Richie Hall was being crucified he shouldn't be coaching this team defensively right? And Michael Shadja kept saying wait Wait, it's going to be okay. And Paul Apple, well, what's he been doing the last couple of weeks? Well, the offense hasn't done much. He hasn't been able to, to do anything. You know, it's been very uncreative for the better part of the last couple of weeks. Oh, he we had a horrible first half. It's
0: safe to say here, every single coach that has been under tremendous scrutiny this season brought it. In the division semifinals. Weekend. Jason Maas is under a ton of scrutiny. Paul Apelis has had some at times. Mike O'Shea has had some. Richie Hall has had more scrutiny than anybody in the history of sports.
1: I don't hear anybody talking about that this week.
0: And, and, and you know what? Uh, yeah, he, he they executed a perfect game plan. Against Bo Levi Mitchell, and it was the pressure they put on him, play after play after play early in the game, because that's something they struggled in the two games down the stretch where Bo lit them up on defense. Was that they didn't get to the quarterback enough, and they they still I don't think brought him down for a for a sack, maybe one, no. but you got the pressure, you disturbed him a little. I also think. Wow,
1: what about those midseason signings on the back end of the defense?
0: Nick Taylor, Mercy Mastin, huge. Nick Taylor has been absolutely incredible. And, you know, I don't think we talked about this yet, about Anthony Gator quitting on the team this week after, or, well, it was a couple weeks ago already. Mm-hmm. He never came back after the bye week. Congrats on your engagement, by the way, Anthony Gator. Although I uh, I highly think that if you did just quit on the team, you're probably not listening to this podcast right yeah. now. But, but if you are, good day to you. Um Mercy Maston is filling in great there. I I I think all around the Bombers played a great game here. Let's talk about Calgary a little bit. You you talked about Calgary not being ready defensively. I have to wonder if the offensive injuries that Calgary has found some way to overcome every single season over the last couple of years where basically half their receivers are out and their next thousand-yard receiver comes in. I have to wonder if those started catching up with them here because Eric Rogers, they showed a graphic during the game that Eric Rogers is basically has a 50% touchdown conversion Mm -hmm. ratio in the playoffs, which is absurd. Yeah. Eight touchdowns on 16 catches. You don't have him in the lineup. They do get Kamar Jordan in there, which is by the way, an incredible feat in itself. I mean, he for, he had his entire knee reconstructed after last season, Three of the four major muscles, I believe, in his leg were torn. For him to all of a sudden after missing the entire season playing this game was incredible in itself. But it I showed. Think, it showed uh, that he yes. hadn't played all year. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it showed that they were missing some of their guys, like Eric Rogers, like Mark E. like Jawan
1: Breskison. Let me tell you this. If Eric Rogers played on Sunday, we don't see Tamar Jordan. Probably not. They were desperate. I don't think they wanted to play tomorrow, Jordan, but that was the best option they had. And <laughs> you okay? Yeah. No, my foot fell asleep. <laughs> Mine too. Mine too. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Um, I don't know what to say right now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you doing jumping jacks. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>.
0: I'll live. <laughs> wow. We must soldier onwards. I,
1: I lost my train of thought. Wow. Um,
0: yeah. I debated waiting another 22 minutes, but then thought I might never feel my foot again. So, <laughs> figured I'd make
1: the judgment call. I'm good to go. Back to what we were talking about. Yeah, but... It was interesting that Bo was one or two inches off on a lot of plays. Um I, I think we shouldn't be um critical of Bo, but rather give Winnipeg's defense a lot of two thumbs up because he was putting balls where Winnipeg was forcing them to put the balls, right? And I'm not too particularly sure that, I know it's easy to say hindsight, 2020. To me, they didn't really look good in that game in Winnipeg offensively. They were a little bit off with the throw here and there. They certainly didn't look good against BC offensively. Until very late, I think you'd agree with me on that. So I think Calgary's been trying to piece it together offensively have been finding a way to get this done, and their injuries and whatnot caught up with them
0: yeah, I mean let's let's be real here. Calgary basically played a different running back every single game this season, it seemed with all the injuries they had at that position. And they didn't have a great run game for most of the season, but it puzzles me that they actually started to get it going against the Bombers and then went away from it a little here because we've known Calgary to be so dependent on the pass. We'll wrap this up and get into talking about next week's games. I just want to close with this. Bowie by Mitchell, I think had his worst game of his career in this football game, just over a hundred yards passing three interceptions. It was not a good game for Bo, but of course you know this happens, and of course it happened. There's people, insane people out there, that think that, oh, Bo Levi Mitchell should be traded. Dave Dickinson should be fired. Like, calm down. Go watch some more Disney Plus and get back to me. <laughs> Here's the thing. By the way, this podcast is not sponsored by Disney Plus. <laughs>
1: Can I touch on that just real quick? Did I have family and children? And I was there last summer. Yeah, last summer for a wedding. I did not see many people wear stamp stuff. I don't even think I saw a single Stamps jersey while out on the street in Calgary or in a store.
0: How many Riders jerseys did you see?
1: Not a lot. Hmm, Surprising. But on the flip side, this is a market that has become... What's the word I'm looking for? You can say spoiled. It's become spoiled. That's the word I'm looking for. When you win too much, it almost becomes like, oh, what's the point? We're going to win anyway, right? We haven't lost anything. We haven't. And to me, I look at that attendance on Sunday, and I know it was cold, but come on. That was empty. People... people are trashing Winnipeg and trashing Saskatchewan for not filling their stadiums, we have a much bigger problem. And I Mm -hmm. think in Calgary, they've become way too spoiled on winning and winning and winning and winning. And And now it's almost like they've had a a culture shock that, hey, you know what, we're not hosting the West Final hey, we're not going to a West Final. For
0: the first time in a long time.
1: So maybe this just resets the expectations a little bit more, and to be honest with you, I don't blame the fans for being so spoiled to do win so much, but I was just shocked how empty it was.
0: Here's an idea for you, Calgary. Try doing a 29-year Grey Cup drought. Every win will feel like a parade. Crap.
1: <laughs> um... And actually, it's funny you speak on that because I have a point on the Western Final that I want to get your opinion on, but I think we'll start out East. So congratulations to the Bombers. Congratulations to the Eskimos. What are Calgary fans going to do in the Grey Cup if it's Saskatchewan and Edmonton? (laughs) I just have that thought in the back of my head going, Calgary's two biggest rivals playing in their backyard in the biggest game of the season. And a bunch of fans going and screaming, no, for a minute straight, into the microphones. I don't even know if I want to watch that game. Might as well go get the Disney Plus subscription early. (laughs) I I think you'd have some people that would really enjoy a Disney marathon over watching football.
0: We won't do a Grey Cup recap. We'll just recap our top ten favorite Disney movies. That's what we should do. No, we really
1: shouldn't. In the off-season, top ten football movies.
0: Yes, that's that's on the docket. We discussed we that last week. This. Yeah, but uh, before we get into talking about the uh, division finals, uh, I should talk about the CFPN Fantasy Challenge playoffs. We
1: have a tie.
0: I literally skated by by the closest margin possible in the quarterfinals. Tied Sheldon from Horseman Radio, 36.9 points each in what was a disastrous week.
1: Everybody had really low totals.
0: Yeah, in general. I mean, you only picked five players on a roster for the playoffs, but it also didn't help that some of them just didn't perform well. Um, Ended up tied with them. Tiebreaker was lower uh, money spent because, you know, rewards you if you end up tied on having the good value picks. It spent about $500 less, so I squeak by and I move on to $500. the semifinals.
1: Well, not spent.
0: Yes. I like the irony. I love it. Managed to squeak by, live to see another day. Down to the final four. We've got me versus Safamod from Steve from the Piffles podcast. Prairie rivalry. I love it. You know, I find it convenient that I played Sheldon from Horseman Radio when the Bombers played the Stampeders. I now play Steve when uh, the Bombers played. Is there the anybody riders.
1: from Hamilton left that you could maybe see in the final?
0: Uh, Nope, but uh, Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast is. Uh, So it's me versus Steve, and then uh, Brazilian tie up against Andrew uh, from the Eskimo Empire podcast Uh In the semifinals, uh, two of us will move on to the finals and play in the Grey Cup. So it should be an interesting week for that. And on that note, let's talk about the division finals here for the last 15 minutes or so. Uh, Let's start out east. You've got Edmonton. You've got Hamilton. They played each other twice this year. Hamilton won both of those games. Uh, It was a couple weeks. I think they played like twice in four weeks, twice in five weeks, something like that. Everybody... Like, Hamilton's the clear favorite, right? Uh, yeah. I yeah. I, I think that's clear. I, we can uh,
1: mail it in and then go home. Hamilton's going to win. But we saw what happened last week.
0: I don't think it's as clear-cut anymore. I, I've outlined all season long why Hamilton's going to win this game, right? Hamilton is the best team in the CFL on all three sides of the ball. If you beat them on one side of the ball, that is not going to be enough to win the game because... You shut down their offense, their defense will shut down yours, and then they'll beat you on special teams. Uh, You can say it about any of the three phases. Hamilton is well-built. They had the bye week to, you know, get fresh. They didn't start a lot of guys in Week 21, so everybody should be fresh and ready to go. And yeah, Hamilton stacks up well against Edmonton. So I I think the Ticats still are the favorite here. I think the Trevor Harris factor... Is going is the major storyline to watch in this game because Trevor Harris I don't think played in either of those games against the tie Cats. It, it was Logan Kilgore in at quarterback for those games and I, I remember the one the first one I believe it was where Hamilton jumps out to the 24 nothing lead. Ham, uh, Edmonton comes back and Hamilton nails field goal on the final play of the game. So. It's not like the Ty Cats have exactly blown the Eskimos out of the water, despite Logan Kilgore being the quarterback in those two games. So maybe this game will actually be closer than
1: people are thinking. My opening thought is if Trevor Harris is playoff Trevor Harris, Dane Evans has a tall task ahead of him. And I don't know, I mean, what's it been? Five years into division finalist is lost? Yeah, something like that. On either side? Yep. I think that goes out the window this year. Because the West especially has been closer than the East, but it's like I said on the playoff preview, all the pressure in the world is on Hamilton. Not a lot of people were both guilty of this, said that Edmonton would be there. I like the team that's playing with house money right now rather than the team with all the pressure in the world on them. Is it safe to say that's what happened with Calgary this past week?
0: All the pressure in the world to get to the Grey Cup at home? Seems to be happening every year almost, right?
1: The team that's trying to play at home? Something happens to them? I I think it's just me. I would shudder to even be a home team this week. Do we... I personally, so there's always the debate every year
0: about time off before your playoff game if you're the division mm-hmm. leader. Everybody's always concerned. Oh, it's two weeks since you last played. In a lot of cases, like it was for the Ty Cats and most of their big name players, it was three weeks. Dane Evans didn't play in week 21. A lot of guys didn't play in week 21. People talk about that every season as a concern, like, oh, these guys are going to come out flat, they're going to come out rusty, and yet, like you said, it's been five years since somebody other than a division finalist has made the finals, so are we just all talking like out of our rears when it comes to this? Like, Is this actually a concern at all? Because statistics, to me, don't seem to say so.
1: To me, it's one thing to say the stats... But I think if you look at the matchups between specifically the Bombers and riders this year, because they've been the closer matchups of the two, and I don't know if we can make any correlation between East versus West in the East final. They should change that around. But for lack of geographical lessons, that'll always be the Eastern final. But I, I don't know. Like, for me, I predicted the home team to win won both games last week, and the road teams won. To me, I think the road team wins one game this weekend. I'm just not sure which one it is yet.
0: Yeah, to me, this really all comes down to, like, if I want to talk about keys of the game sort of thing, or like what I see defining this matchup, kind of how I said the Bomber game was going to be decided by how Paul Apple coaches the game, Really all of my keys I'm watching for are on the Edmonton side and they're the same ones from last week against Montreal can Trevor Harris do it again Yep can the defense you know not take stupid penalties again Mhm like all of these same things discipline for Edmonton from Hamilton it's just show up and do what you've all
1: done all season long like it's as simple as that for Hamilton to me World Lintonal speaking of the east final how that Lehman didn't roll very, very quick. Yes. I, I will know within five minutes, ten minutes, how does it didn't roll? Edmonton to me has to throw the first punch. They have to be able to, and if it's me, here's what I do Edmonton wins the, uh, Edmonton wins the coin toss. I take the football and I say to Trevor Harris, you're going to march this down the field to start the football game. To me, the only way Edmonton wins this game is if they score an opening drive touchdown. Get Hamilton behind the eight ball, And then you get Dane Evans, who has been a revelation this year. I don't think anybody's seen him to be this dead. If you think that Dane Evans trailing the football game, something he hasn't done an awful lot of, yeah, he's brought them back in a lot of close games. But yeah, they've won a lot of games just like Montreal. And. If he throws two interceptions, then Trevor Harris is Trevor Harris the last week. It's nothing to matter. Who are you taking to win? I'm taking Hamilton, but this is sure gonna be close. And I, I'm fully expecting, uh, Trevor Harris to come out and punch him in the throat, right, right off the start. I, I want to take Edmonton, uh, just based on the Trevor
0: Harris playoff factor, but. Uh, I can't go back on what I've been saying all season long that it's the tie Cats year. So I, I'm I'm sticking with Hamilton. I'm going with the tie Cats. I, I think they'll they'll shut him down.
1: But again it wouldn't surprise me if no. Trevor Heard to Trevor Harris.
0: It wouldn't surprise me as much as I did before this past week. Uh quickly let's talk about bombers and riders meeting in the western final you wanna talk about what this game's gonna come down to, it may very well come down to which quarterback's out there for Saskatchewan. because Cody Fajardo is starting to practice more uh he's out there throwing uh he, he throw quite a few uh darts and practice 20 this balls week. today yeah so uh i I like he's probably gonna play I would imagine especially with so much riding on this game but i uh, it may come down to that because. I I do like the Riders' chances of, with Cody Fajardo in there, but if Isaac Harker's in there, I don't know.
1: Yeah, just because Edmonton sat so many games and players in the last game game of the season, I don't think that was a proper indication, and it was a close game until that late pit sets. I, I I would agree with you, and and I think this game I'm gonna go the other way. Uh, full disclosure, I'm going to announce my pit right now because I would be giving it away when I say this. I pit the Riders to beat the Bombers because what I worry about with Winnipeg is you've had your nemesis for years. You beat them. They won their great Cup. Everybody said Winnipeg has to go through Calgary to win. They did that. Now my question is, can they get back to that level of, okay, we just beat out it. Can we get back to that high level? Can we get back to that high level to make it seem like last week was not a fluke? And trust me, I, I think the Bombers can get there. But I just, something to me says, and maybe it's just reverse mentality for me because I went against them last week and they surprised me. This is the coin flip. When it comes down to it, I love the home team and it wouldn't shock me if it's another walk off. I will say even with Cody
0: Fajardo in there, I just checked the stats and confirmed this. It's not like the riders offense has lit up the bombers this year. Point totals in their three games, 21, 19 and 10 is what the riders put up. Like, Richie Hall's defense has shut him down, but it's going to come down to which Richie Hall defense we see. Are we going to see the one that gives up big play after big play? Or are we going to see the one that gave Bowie Vi Mitchell his worst game of his career this past year? Two
1: weekend? players to watch for me from a the pitch side of it. Willie Jefferson's been a little quiet the last couple of weeks. And that, to me, if I'm a Ryder fan would scare me a little bit because I think Willie's ready to break loose. And it's not a, it's not to take a rocket scientist to figure this one out shot to bat batting vagina. I don't know how a human can't be amped up regardless of what he says, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's definitely an
0: intriguing storyline coming into this game. To me, like, I, I, I'll call myself out on this. I texted you after Calgary secured the home playoff game, and we mentioned it on the show last week. 0.0% chance the Bombers are going to go into Calgary and win and then go into Saskatchewan and win. Well, I'll win. tell you
1: what, it's 50-50 right now.
0: To me, I'm going back to what I said earlier in the game or earlier in the podcast about if Paul Apolies can coach the same game he does again. Like Chris Strebler gave the Riders some fits with his running during the regular season during those games. So if they can do the same thing, Again, if you have four running back, three, four running backs out there, like you don't even need to
1: pass the ball. Here's an interesting scenario for me. Does Brady Olivera play this week? No. He's practicing, so might the Bombers have a fifth option?
0: I mean, you're going to play three running backs then? Because you still have Johnny Augustine on the roster. Bring them all out? I don't even know who the fourth option I'm talking about is. I, I keep saying four, but it's Strebler, it's Harris, and it's Dembski. Augustine and potentially olivera Yeah. Anyways, we are running out of time here. We're getting too fancy. Man. You're taking the Riders. Yeah. I'm taking the Bombers. And maybe it's my fear of the Cody Fajardo injury and based on how I saw the Bombers play this past week. If they can replicate that, they will win this game. If they can't, it's going to be an awfully close game. But I'm taking the Bombers to win.
1: Yeah, the only, uh, part of me wants to take the Bombers so badly just because they two close games in Vagina, but I just, I can't do no, it. No, keep doing what you did last week. Kate, it worked.
0: Kate, Kate Riders. All right, that does Don't it. Don't pop me out of it. That does it for this episode of the podcast. We'll be back next week to tee up the Grey Cup. Can't believe it's here next weekend already. Uh, we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out cfpodnetwork.ca and at cfpodnetwork on Twitter for all of that. Follow us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM and stay tuned for our CF pod network trading card contest uh, that we'll be launching on there shortly and uh, tune in again. And Make next your picks too. Yes. And make your picks as well. Uh, like subscribe review on all the podcast platforms. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week and enjoy the division finals. Bye. Bye.